Hey everyone, this episode of Making Movies is Hard is sponsored by Film Casualty Insurance Agency. What is Film Casualty? Well, in short, it's a way for you to find affordable, reliable, and comprehensive insurance coverage for your production or film business. Everyone needs insurance. So check them out at filmcasualty.com. And thanks so much, guys, for sponsoring the podcast. Let's start the show. Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Timothy Plain. And I'm Mark Purcell. Each week we discuss different filmmaking topics and give you our point of view on them, not as experts, but as two filmmakers trying to figure it out for ourselves. And this week we're joined by screenwriter Gordy Hoffman. Welcome to the podcast, Gordy. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, So you probably don't know Gordy's name offhand, most likely, but you might have been familiar with uh, his his company, Blue Cat Screenplay uh, Contest. Is that what it's called? Blue Cat Screenplay Competition. Yeah, the Blue Cat Screenplay Competition. Exactly. Yeah, I think if you're a filmmaker and and you've been like going online and like looking at different um, resources and different, you know, opportunities for screenwriters, you've probably heard of Blue Cat. So, Gordy, why don't you just give us a rundown of, you know, who you are, what you do and, and all that stuff? Well, I am a writer, filmmaker, uh, and I started Blue Cat in 1998. This is our 20th year. And we have grown to be one of the largest, uh, hopefully most respected uh, screenplay competitions in the world. Um, And I personally have been writing a little bit longer than than the competition's been around. I've been writing screenplays. I'm also a teacher. Um, I've taught at USC and UCLA. And I continue to teach um, even though I have been actively employed as a professional writer and um, don't necessarily need to. Uh, I would never stop teaching, I guess I should say. I, I believe that um, teaching screenwriting um, and filmmaking is sort of not as respected as I would hope. But anyways, I love teaching because it, 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 it reinforces um, things that I know, principles about storytelling and writing that I understand. And um, I think my career really started to take off. Well, it it definitely entered a second um, stage when I started teaching at USC over 10 years ago. I thought it was like, oh no, I'm going to be a teacher and I'm never going to, um, my dreams are never going to come true about making movies. And actually I became much stronger of a filmmaker and a writer um, because I, um, started working with other writers. So, um, so I'm a teacher, I'm a filmmaker, and I also judge and run the Blue Cat screenplay competition. And Blue Cat is grown because we give written analysis to everyone who enters. So it's something we started a long time ago, and we don't charge an additional fee. It's a part of the submission fee. This came out because basically as a writer, you know, when I would submit to something, I'd be like, well, did they even read it? Like, I don't even know if they read it. I don't even know what they, what did they think, you know? And, um, and so we started doing that and I handpicked the readers and, um, and that's really why Blue Cat has grown and sort of is in that sort of group at the top of, of screenplay competitions primarily because of our adjudication process, how we read the scripts. Um, I think the other reason that people respond to Blue Cat is because I'm the guy who does it. I, I have articles about screenwriting. I mean, I'm, it's a lot, there's a lot of transparency. There's not like, well, who's judging? Who's dealing with this? Right. Who's making it? I think it decision? helps that there's a screenwriter behind the competition. Yeah. So I'm in like, the right. Ro- you're yeah, one I'm of in, them. Yeah. I'm in the writer's guild and, you know, um, yeah, I'm a professional writer and, a prof- and I've made films and, um, but more importantly, I think that I have taste. I think I've, uh, I, I have a track record 
we have a track record, Blue Cat has developed a track record where over the years we've had people that have that, you know, they submitted a Blue Cat when they were amateur screenwriters. We acknowledged them, gave them, you know, acclaim, money, whatever, and then they went on. So, um, you know, Anna Liliama Poor was our winner 10 years ago. It was the first thing that ever happened to her, really, in her filmmaking career. It was right before she went to UCLA. She started UCLA, um, the master's program there, and now she's a member of the Academy <laughs> you know, so yeah. and she's at CAA and, you know, she's a rock star and Aaron Guzikowski is another person who was our one of our finalists and he wrote Prisoners and, um, you know, and he's um, so, yeah, so we've had it. We have a track record and I think people see the track record and but most importantly, the, the you know, the mission of Blue Cat is to support new writers and people that have not been discovered and um yeah. when when did screenplay competitions in general start do you know what you know the first what? when one i ever was? when i well i think the the nickels was a was a california only contest for students that might have started in the late 80s but i mean when i started blue cat in the in the, in the spring of 1998 there were already the the website moviebites.com which is a clearinghouse still today it's probably the it's mm -hmm. the listing of all screenplay competitions there was already probably 150 contests on that site at the time when i started oh, wow. blue cat and what was the the goal of a screenwriting competition is to what like get an agent get notice find a producer yeah. like how, yeah. how do these things work yeah, I think the most important thing, the reason why people enter screenplay competitions is to advance their career. Mm -hmm. um, it's not, you know, I think that if you went to somebody and said, you could get a connected manager, or you could win $10,000, people would take the manager. So that's what people are submitting for generally, but um, they also submit, you know, because it gives them a sort of an external deadline to finish a project they might be working on um, yeah. to receive notes in the case of Blue Cat and many other competitions that do offer notes as a part of their process of submitting to a screenplay contest. Um, and yeah, that's and, and to give themselves support, you know, people get they get uh, you know, named a quarterfinalist or semifinalist, so they advance. If if someone submits to Blue Cat and they are in the top five percent, you know, or they submit to Nichols and they and they're in the top three hundred, that's very affirming for a writer, and it and it gives them, oh, okay, so somebody outside of my girlfriend and the guy at Starbucks thinks that I can write, and um, a lot of people. Um, you know, it's surprising how many people do sort of write in a vacuum and do not have sure. that sort of external support. I just think it's really interesting. I mean, a lot of us, you know, have been there as a writer submitting to a screenplay competition. I've submitted to a few, you know, I, I'm not sure if I submit to Blue Cat ever, but I mean, I just want to talk through the process with you of like how many screenplays you guys get um, each each submission period. How many readers do you have who read these and, and how does the process work? Like once I submit my screenplay, like who does it go to? Like like who reads it and how many times? And, and do you get involved in the process at the first stage or do you only start reading screenplays when it hits to like the top 10? Right. Like how does the whole process work? Well, very briefly, um, yeah, we, we somebody submits their screenplay. I assign it to a reader that I have vetted. And I vet the readers by having them read something that I have read. I look at their written analysis in the format that we use, and I determine whether or not they are a blue cat reader or not. So they're hired. So I have a select handpicked pool of readers. They read everybody's script. So I send out 10 scripts, five scripts, three scripts to readers um, in a certain batch. And they send back um, the analysis that they, you know, that they've written for them. I send that analysis out to the entrance so they get their notes so that's that process and then yeah there's some internal scoring that 
that indicates to me which ones are sort of at the top end of the pile. And we've done different things over the years where we've had two readers read then give two analysis. And I just, just discovered that basically, um, it, you know, if someone likes something um, and I have hired them, that's probably the best barometer. You know, um, if somebody if I had two readers and one of them didn't like it and the other one did, you know, usually it would it would advance. So it would. So we didn't we weren't losing anybody by doing that. So we have one reader and um, I mean, I wish we could have five for everybody, but, you know, it's sort of. Um, not practical and impossible. It sounds like you've determined that having multiple readers isn't always that helpful either. Right? No, it doesn't. It does. It, it, I did it because of exactly a writer's concern. I was like, I don't want anything to slip. I was always paranoid that, oh no, what if there's some genius script the reader thought was average, you know, and I think it's brilliant. Well, I tried to have two readers to see if I could prevent that from happening. And, you know, it didn't matter. And then, and the thing is, is that every single year we end up with special scripts at the end of this process. And so no matter what kind of doubts or crapshoots, knowing exactly what we were just talking about with Star Wars or Get Out or La La Land or Spotlight or whatever movie that some people respond to emotionally and other ones don't. So... Screenplay competitions are only a crapshoot or a quote unquote scam or whatever. I think that when people get frustrated by screenplay competitions, it's in this, I mean, it, you know, it's the same process that happens when we all go to a movie, you know, half my family goes and sees the shape of water and some of them come out and go, I was bored. And some of them come out and say, I love it. So, so what are we doing? You know, right. and it's like, and that's the shape of water that could win best picture, yeah. you know? So we do our best. I hire, you know, I do my due diligence, but that's, that's how we end up getting to the top. I come in. Yeah. There's no way that I can crack 3,300 features. So I use a staff, you know, and through that staff of readers, they, they help me. You know, and then at the end, I start opening things up, looking at the quality of writing and make my choices. So, I mean, just to kind of dig into it a little bit deeper, I mean, and you kind of said it, said it yourself, like people have this perception of screenplay competitions as being scams or a waste of time or all these other things. And, you know, I don't know if you listen to the Script Notes podcast, but they're especially tough on screenplay competitions. They always say there's only like three that matter in the world or something, and all the rest of the ones are, are garbage, basically. Um, so, I mean, what do you say to that? I mean, like, I mean, I can't imagine that you're getting rich off of, you know, all these submissions and everything. No. But, um, yeah, I mean... No, thank you for pointing that out. Look, you know, Craig Mazin and John August have opinions about script consultants. Um, I think screenplay education, I think script co screenplay contests, and they're coming from their points of view. And that's fine. I think it's, a, I think they go a little overboard. Um, a, a, a screenplay contest in Minnesota adjudicated by some people that were from Minnesota that work at William Morris Endeavor now. And they read over 150 scripts written by Minnesota writers, and they find someone in the pile that's special. Why isn't that? Why isn't that legitimate? Why isn't that legitimate? I mean, you know, the, yes, of course, there's going to be some lack. That's why we have transparency. I'm sitting here. You can watch 100 videos of me talking about screenwriting. I have a track record. You can see me talking about screenwriting. So you can be like, okay, this is the guy that judges it. This is what we do. We read your whole script. We just sent you notes. <laughs> we know you, we read your script. So in terms of it being a scam, and then you look at our alumni board. And if every other year, like we identify someone and give somebody money and say, you know, go Anna, go Aaron, you know, or whatever. And people, and those people go on to be, I mean, why do we send out the log lines to the top managers and agents? I mean, the very best, the only ones that do anything with the studios that are involved with the blacklist 
um, you know, they all request our blue cat scripts because they're not stupid. They know that right. we have a track record. They know who Aaron Guzikowski is. They know, I'm not going to say anything about the process of Austin or, right. or Nichols. I'm not going to get into any of that. I, I, I just, you know, I just think that of course there's screenplay competitions that might not be run well and people have weird experiences well the market usually separates those out you know the the festivals that are not well run they they go away sundance is is an incredible experience it's incredible there's nothing like it and lo and behold it's the number one festival in america you know because it's because it because it it's awesome you know and so things sort themselves out screenplay you know they also tax screenplay consultants and you know the fact is is that if somebody graduates from northridge with an mfa in screenwriting and they have no credits and they set up a website and they say, I'll read your script for $200 and I'll give you notes. And if you, and if you spend the money and they give you notes and it changes your screenwriting, then it's worth it. Then, <laughs> then why, why yeah. should you, why do they have, why do those guys have the right <laughs> to tell that per, that young lady that graduated from yeah. Northridge and wants to make some money? I and, guess they they think that like by charging that money, it's like they're not at a level where they're, they have the, you know, the credibility to actually charge it. I mean, there's nothing wrong if she gave notes and they were helpful, but charging $200 after you've just, you know, completed an MFA and you don't have any credits. I don't know. That seems a little bit like, well, I think that the whole, the, the looking down on any sort of competition, film festivals fall into this category too, is, is not the one-off entry. It's not just entering blue cat competition. It's entering the hundreds of, of contests out there and spending thousands and thousands of dollars in the hope that you will win one of these competitions and it'll lead to a career. So, yeah. And that's a, and there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that have entered. There's many people that have entered a competition and it's changed their career. So it does happen. I think, yeah. Are we, are they trying, are those guys trying to prevent the person from spending thousands of dollars on it? I mean, I think people are not that, you know, they're smart enough to know and use their judgment. I mean, I just think the whole idea that like, well, the person from Northridge doesn't have, you know, the credentials to do that. So Magic Johnson was a horrible NBA coach. So, so (laughs) he couldn't coach, you know, and Tony LaRusso was not a great major league. I mean, you know, everybody understands that outside of the script notes podcast. I think, I think everybody, everybody knows that like, what do they think the teachers that screenwriting cannot be taught that there's no screenwriting teachers there's lovely teachers at usc and ucla that that have not you know written big studio comedies or whatever i understand their perspective they have experience they're valuable people love them i get it and they have every right to speak about stuff but if they feel if they want to start saying just throwing all screenplay contests or screenplay <laughs> consultants into a into like this broad brush. It's 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 like me saying, "Well, can I have my money back from from Hangover 2? <laughs> right. Can I have my money back from Identity?" I mean, yeah. that was a ripoff, but nobody we can't get our money back from from the movies that we dislike that that writers write. But we're, yeah. but you know, and we don't call them scams. I'm not calling Craig Mazin a scammer <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because I don't right. like his movies and people don't like his movies. And I think somebody, it's just all about yeah. the expectations you go into these things right. with. I, th- I think we all have this dream that we're going to be discovered from obscurity and become famous. And I think the way that you're talking about it is use these things as a way to validate yourself or to learn from it. Absolutely. It's not a get get rich quick scheme. And most people, and you, most people know that. 
I don't think that there's like this large, this idea there. Everyone is, everybody understands that everybody's skeptical. I don't know if everyone understands that. Yeah. I think we all start out with, when I graduated yeah. film school, everyone I knew was trying to like win competitions so they could become yeah. famous. And I think it took me years and years and years to realize, Oh, that's not how it works. Well, I think when you start to see how many different screenplay competitions there are and film festivals and everything, I think naturally you start to be wonder like, Oh, do these even matter? And then when they start to pop up so quickly year after year there's new festivals every year there's new screenplay competitions all the time you know you, you start to have to like kind of put your your guards up because you don't want to just start blowing your money on every tiny thing that like if you even get absolutely. in is that even going to make a difference you know well absolutely i mean you you know you have to it's it's just like film festivals i mean you have you can't enter every single one if you make a short film you can't enter every single one and there's but there's a number of them that are excellent and provide formative experiences for 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 filmmakers and writers in the same way that Austin and Nichols and you know and and you know and people people do work very very hard and they submit the script and it goes to Austin I mean our pilot winner this year was a top 10 with Nichols the year before and she's a fantastic talent you know and she and she has risen to the top of the pile in several major things she now has representation because of her placement in Nichols and and she's gonna she you know she's gonna end up being staffed so so and she's worked really hard she's gifted and it works so it's just I look at the whole thing and say, hey, um, you know, be skeptical, do your homework. You can't ever enter every screen. Don't enter Blue Cat. All I want you to do is, <laughs> all, you know what I mean? Just just keep writing. Just keep writing. Find your find fellows to help you. You know, don't spend any money. You don't have to spend any money on consultants you don't have to spend any money on you don't have to enter competitions there's you it's what's beautiful right now as opposed to 20 years ago is you mm -hmm. can you can learn everything you can listen to this podcast every time you guys do a new one and learn <laughs> stuff and then people are listening to you and listening to script notes i know and they're being inspired and i want script notes to always be there um you know because they help people and they yeah. inspire people. They're so. a fantastic resource, you know. Yeah. And I think it's just like everyone has different opinions, and there's, you know, they're just opinions. Yeah, I mean, and, exactly. And it's, all, it's all advice, and I think taking it all in and deciding what the best advice for you is yes is, is the best way to go about it. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, just one more question. So I know you're starting a film festival this year, right? Is this the first well, year? Well, we're we're. I mean. It's, it's, it's basically another category. I made a, sh I made some shorts. I had a short that went to Sundance. I love short films and it was a natural, um, growth of Blue Cat to say, why don't we just start accepting short films? So because we're accepting short films, we're sort of making a, f we're taking the top films and making a little film festival out of it. So we're having one night where we're screening the films next June in LA. And um, so that's what it is. We're not, you know, ambitiously starting like a six day. You know? uh, it's right, just like, man. it's just like a baby step towards possibly something that could be more than one day. But, um, but yeah, it's just a, it's just another category, right. you know, because we've had, we've accepted short uh, screenplays first few years now and we started accepting pilots this year so it's just it's and it comes from uh our community you know they're like hey do you accept shorts and it's like we should accept shorts <laughs> and right, then you know everyone's making shorts now right, you know and right. there's, there's less and less places for shorts to get out in the world i mean you know YouTube saturated, Vimeo is saturated with, with short films. So, you know, and it's really hard to get into film festivals these days. So it's but, good to have more opportunities for shorts to get. Yeah. Seen, I mean, I, you know. I, I, you know, and not again, this might sound like blue cap marketing. It's not, I mean, it's the truth is, is that, you know, I made a short, I put my work into it. I applied everything I knew and it changed my career. I mean, it basically got me a job with Annapurna. So writing a movie and they, I mean, if I didn't make that short, I wouldn't have gotten that job, you know, and it was absolutely, 
indispensable. And I never thought that I, that making a short film would, would basically become a sample for a feature screenplay job, like a feature job. And, um, but it, but it, but it, that's what happened. And I can't, how, how did that come about? Well, I made Dog Bowl, which is the short that it's on Amazon Prime now, so people can watch it. And it got into the January, uh, tw- I got into the 2015 um, Sundance, and a director had seen it, and he had a relationship with Annapurna, and they watched it, and they knew about Love, I mean, you know, they knew Love Liza existed. But they watched Dog Bowl and they, I don't even know if they read, like, I think I sent over another feature sample, but I don't, I mean, I think they probably read it. I mean, because they're due, due, due diligence and everything else. But, but my short was a key part because the, the, the director thought of me, I can't get, I will come back and give you the details later uh, when it's more appropriate for me to give you more and less speak less generally. I'll come back and speak more specifically about, but he responded to the short in a very, very strong way. And when something came up for him, he was like, you know what, that guy. And, um, and, and that's what happened. And I'll tell, I'll put in all the names later, but it's a very, very important job for me and a real game changer and um in terms of my and the thing is oddly enough i got the first thing i think about it's like wow this will really help blue cat (laughs) because people because people will even be more like oh this guy is even more legitimate i think you know because i continue because i'm a filmmaker at heart i'm a writer you know i made a film when i was talk about that i want to go back and talk about like how did you get started as a writer well, I mean, I made a film when I was, I was about to say, I made a film when I was 12, you know, I mean, in my bed, in the <laughs> yeah. woods, like with a super eight camera and I played the lead and actually my brother was, you know, played the, he was like a prison guard in it. And, and, you know, it's this little film, you know, so that early I was like storytelling, you know, and then I wrote plays in my early twenties and then I wrote um, a screenplay. I didn't finish it. It was, I was, it was probably 20 years ago. And, and then I sort of had this, you know, kind of one of those moments is like, I got to do something with my life kind of moment. And, um, I had an idea about, um, huffing gas and I wrote a screen and screenplay in 18 days. And, um, I just sat down and I was like, it was just one of those, you know, uh, taxi driver type of things. You know, I was like, oh my God, I gotta do this, you know? And, um, (laughs) and I did that and I wrote it and I showed it to my little brother and, and I said, God, man, I think this is good. And he's like, yeah, I actually want to play this guy, you know? And, um, I was like, he working as an actor at this time. Oh yeah. Yeah. He had gone to NYU. He'd already done, um, what he had done. He had done sense of a woman. And he had done, um, he was in Sensible Woman. He was in, um, I think he had done um, Twister already. Like, so he had done sort of supporting things. And um, and I gave it to him. And I didn't, and I actually wrote it sort of like, I'll play the lead. Like me, I was, it, and I didn't even think I was <laughs> yeah. going to play the lead. But I thought, oh, you know, I, um, uh yeah, I was like, I, I, I want to play the lead, you know, and, but it was almost a device for me to finish the script. It allowed me to sort of stay with the protagonist and just sort of crank it out, you know, but I gave it, showed it to him. Anyways, he loved it. But that fall, he was, he, he was working on Boogie Nights. And, and so he was, I was back in East and he was in LA making Boogie Nights. And he was telling me about this thing he was making with this guy, you know, <laughs> yeah. and he'd already done, um, Sydney, um, with, uh, which was, what was it called? Um, they changed the title of it. Sydney, Paul Thomas Anderson's first movie. Hard Eight. Hard Eight. They changed it to, the, the distributor or producer renamed it Hard Eight, but it was called Sydney. 
And Phil had done a little thing in that for Paul, and then he was doing Boogie Nights. So, so, the, so, That's yeah, awesome. he he got himself a tag. He was like, I want to do Love Liza before he shot Scotty and Boogie Nights. But still, just like having you a know? brother who's an actor that's done some like legitimate stuff to like say that your screenplay is good must have been well, so yeah. validating. Uh, yeah, right? well, I thought it was good. And he was like, you know, he always, you know, and I, he loved my writing. I mean, he he was always a fan of my writing. He, he totally got it, you know, and I, um, so yeah, it was that, I thought, I knew I had done something cool and I believe, and I and it was it was awesome that he was like ah. So it was like a four year process of making doing that, and he couldn't get you know it, he wasn't really a leading man. He wasn't like a financial a bankable. He was this interesting actor that people loved, but he he wasn't really at that. And Love Liza was his first lead. And um, we made it for like nine hundred thousand dollars, and and uh, yeah, and he, he's so terrific in it. And you know, the film is is you know some of the, um, you know, because the budget or whatever. But it, you know, people there's a lot of people that love that film, you know, and that's what's so cool is that we were able to make this thing together. And that it's some people's favorite movie. You know, you want to, yeah. that's the best, that's the best thing about, that's the highest thing you can hope for is that somebody's like, that's my favorite movie, oh, you know? Yeah, and, that's and amazing. So, love, and, yeah. And why didn't you end up directing it? Do you just not have the experience at the time? Yeah. And I also thought it was like, almost like f- too freaky of an idea to be like, I was going to direct my brother. I almost thought, we almost <laughs> right. knew I think later we might have thought. Oh, I mean, I mean, definitely my mother probably thinks like you should have directed Love Liza, you know. But um, but I, you know, you can't go back. It's like it's like it's just. I'm so grateful for what it became and that it is some people's favorite movie and it is this lovely thing of him in his early 30s doing work and carrying a whole movie. And he works so hard on that movie. And it was a brutal movie. It was awful. It was like one of those awful, you know, independent oh. film shoots where it's oh, like, right. you know, there's <laughs> the ones that, that like every shoot that we've ever been on. Yeah. <laughs> like there was a scene, there was a scene at the in the where he has to get in water and, and it was like 42 degrees out oh, in, no. in Louisiana. Yeah. He had to, he had to literally be in his like, and they, the film, like the producers and the director and everybody were like, well, this is impossible because they're all in like parkas and stuff. And, you know, he was like, they, they were going to just like, he was going to just wade in and he just said, this is wrong. We have to, I have to just go in. And it's like, wow. and he did. And you can see when he goes in how cold it is, but, but he did the scene and, um, you know, so he worked his butt off on that. And then, you know, um, and then moved on, you know, obviously, and and did Capote a few years after that, and and um, and what happened with Love Liza? Did well, did Love that- Liza went to Sundance, and it was bought by Sony and oh, cool. um, Sony Classics, and it was released. Um, it was like the About Schmidt type of. I think it was around about. I think it came out the same time as About Schmidt, and. And so, um, yeah, so it came out and it was released and it's, you know, still being discovered um, by people and um, it didn't make a big splash and it's sort of, cause it is a very dark movie and, um, but it's great that people still see it. I wish that Sony would put it on Prime or Netflix or something so more yeah. people would see it, but people still discover it obviously on HBO and whenever it pops up and um, yeah. Well, for people who are listening, Philip Seymour Hoffman with Kathy Bates. You yeah, say more. Sounds good. Yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a fantastic. It, it, you know, she's wonderful in it, and um, it's a lovely it's it's a lovely performance. I mean, the the ending is a little. I mean, the ending was a little tweaked. It wasn't really my scripted ending, and that's a whole another podcast. But and it sort of tonally leaves you. It, it makes the movie darker, but um, than I would have t- intended. So it, it, it <laughs> yeah. is that kind of a movie that people watch, and they kind of they're like, 
They're like, wow. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I know, bro. It's like, yeah. you know, I get it. But um, wow. yeah. And then I directed a, another, I wrote and directed a, a movie called A Coat of Snow that is not anywhere right now. And I'm going to try oh. and put that on Netflix. It's a handheld um, a movie, like a found footage movie about a, a bachelorette party that also has a very a dramatic, um, dark, um, ending. And, um, that is, uh, so eventually that will be, you know, I'm thinking that Amazon prime, you know, something like that is going to end up getting that so that, because there's a few people, Abigail Spencer's in that movie. And, oh. and, um, so there's, yeah, there's a, it's a nice, I'm proud of it. It's definitely, it is what it is, but I think it's a good first, first feature, but that was my first feature. And was that after I love Liza. Yeah. It was after love Liza. We love were, Liza, ma- we were making it during love Liza. When love Liza was being made, I was already writing and developing um, a coat of snow. And, and then a coat of snow easier to get made because you had made love liza um yeah to a certain degree i mean we didn't need it was an unknown cast and i insisted on it because i which was probably a mistake but um but yeah it was to a certain degree knowing that and then we shot it right before right as it was getting into sundance and you know so there was a lot of buzz around uh, making it and everything else but yeah absolutely there was a little bit and I think that, um, you know, going forward, you know, anything is sort of, you know, any fun of false starts or product, you know, jobs that I was trying to get or whatever, um, all, always were sort of abetted by, you know, the fact that I, you know, because of Love Liza, but it really wasn't until I kind of regrouped completely with Dog Bowl about five years ago and said, you know what? I, you know, I played the sort of game where I was writing scripts for to try and, you know, writing spec scripts to sort of, oh, I'm going to um, get an agent, have them sell it as a, you know, and I just at one point at about five years. Well, now it's almost six years ago. I was like, I, I you know, my dream is to make I want to write what I I want to direct what I write. Yeah. And I just said, that's what I'm going to do. Even if I have to do it with an iPhone, I'm just not going to write spec scripts as a bridge to that career. I'm going to just write. I'm just going to make, try and make movies. Yeah. You decided to make your own opportunity. Right. Yeah. And that's, and I, 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 I realized that too, like much later in life. And if there's anything that I, you know, implore anybody, it's like, you're already a director. You're, if you want to direct, then just direct, you know, direct something on your phone and make a film, make mistakes, make and work harder to correct them on the next one and just go after it. Don't try and come up with, forget about game plans and trying to like, well, what I'm going to try to do is write something (laughs) that I would, that is not really my favorite thing, but I'm going to use that as a strategic piece to influence other people in the industry to recognize me. And then I'll get there. And it's like, no, just your, it's like, just you're all ready. If you want to write movies, just write movies, just write a great movie. And you know, if you write, if you write something special, the market will find it. it. It it just will. There's no. It will find it. You know, but Gordy. And, is it about writing like one movie, or is it about like creating a body of work? Because I feel like that's a little what I'm struggling with. Is like there's there's two ways to go about it. One is you put all your soul and passion into this one like life work, or you think of your career as like. Well, I'm going to make 10 movies, so here would be the first movie out of those 10 that I'm going to make. Right, but uh, you you have to be patient. There's this you don't want to work on a screenplay for 20 <laughs> years, you know, like writing something for 25 years one thing. That's not what I'm saying. But okay. people make the mistake of they get to that place in the development of their screenplay where they're like I hate this. I'm bored. I don't even, I'm not even into this anymore. I don't even know why I'm doing this. There's nobody around. It's just me. And it, like, this sucks. And I just thought of something really cool I want to write. Right. And right. there's a shiny yeah. object over there. And then you don't push through. Yeah. And it's you like, give up when it gets hard. Yeah. Exactly. When it gets boring, when there's problems, when there's nobody around. 
And then, or you, or you're like, okay, I want to just shoot. People rush to shoot because yeah. shooting is a social thing. Yeah, it's like, uh-huh, yeah. oh, there's everybody's here. You know, let's have some craft service. Let's like go out afterwards. It's adrenaline, long hours. It's sexy. Everyone's here. No one's, <laughs> right. no one is there when you're writing. It yeah. sucks. You know, yeah. it's like so awful. But the fact is, is that if you take it beyond those places and make keep making it good make that one thing and you take it because if you stop at that certain point that thing that we're describing uh-huh. and you start over you've gone backwards you're Ooh. not you have you don't have a body of work you have you have a bunch of stuff yeah. that isn't finished a bunch of half half starts you yes know, or like, and it's like half movies <laughs> yeah it's like this thing it's it's like a it's sort of a weird um it's like the longer you take is the shortest path to your career. So it's like take take longer on your script. Take two years to make your short because mm. I'm telling you, I went through so many drafts trying to find the right DP, uh, casting with my short. It was like – it was just like – I'm telling you, every day I was walking around like shame. I was like, I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, you know, you've already raised wow. money on Kickstarter. And is this like, you can't, like, no one's calling you back. Don't they know who you are? You know, I mean, it was awful, <laughs> dude. You know, you're just like, you're just like, yeah. you're, but you know what? I can I go, I, this isn't good enough. And I would keep, I'd be like, no, I have to get the right person. I have to get the right story. And I knew that from my experiences and, and what I would tell my students. And I kept going. And then when it went to Sundance, it was, you know, there was like 14 shorts from the U.S. out of 8,000, you know, and it, and it ended up, yeah. you know, getting me this job at Annapurna. And Annapurna didn't say, well, God, we love your short. We want to give you the job. But you took too long to make it. <laughs> right, you know, right. like exactly. s- s- nobody at Sun, nobody, yeah, nobody at Sundance <laughs> came up and said, you know, like, you know, like, wow, that was awesome. But I found out you took the longest, so it's right. a, no, you're not well, in now. When you're yeah. making these things on your own, no one's waiting for it. No one's, no, yeah. There's no one out there going, man. I wonder when Gordy's movie's coming out. Yeah, it's a nightmare. But that's those are two things that I learned probably in the last decade was was like just do whatever your dream is, just do it today. Just mm. and just do mm. if you're already if you want to if you're like I want to be a, because I'm telling you Ryan Johnson yeah. is has is waking up today with the same problems that you have if you're make if you're writing something to your kitchen mm. table or at Starbucks he's trying to figure out what's the what's my next move how do I make this character stronger like what mistake did I just make on my last project how can right. I avoid it on the yeah. next one just be, and he directed Star Wars you know and yeah. it's like <laughs> so it doesn't matter everybody has the same thing well, so I've been working on the same screenplay for two years and I, and I'm starting to convince myself that I'll never solve it and that even if I do solve it, it won't be a screenplay that's worth shooting. And I'm like, yeah. probably like, I don't know. I get you're very, good- very, no, you're very close. That's, a, <laughs> that's, if you don't, if you don't, if you, if, if, look, if writers, if writers don't get to that place you're describing, then they're yeah. not even, they're not even close to finishing. Hmm. Every writer has to get that. I mean, Kurosawa has a famous quote about, the despair that every script he ever wrote, he got to a place of despair, and that's what you just described. Well, how do you so push it's through like, it, though? Yeah, you, yeah, it. you just got to, you got to, you got to keep going because what'll happen is you'll you'll fall in love with it again, and something will the light bulb will go off. But if you stop showing up for it, it's never going to happen, and you will. But you'll go backwards. I mean, you literally yeah. will start. You, your next script won't be your next script. It will be the start of the one that you just left. I'll just waste those two years. <laughs> I know what you're saying. I, I totally. I mean, it's know not what a complete saying. waste, and everybody. Yeah, no, there's I a know. lot of there's a lot of arguments to. I mean, I'm sure there's a million things that people would say. Well, I disagree with what he just said. This is just my experience, and you know, and what I what I suggest to people, and and uh, but most mostly patience. I think a lot of things. 
you know, taking the time to develop things. I mean, that's what Get Out. I mean, he started writing that, what, 2007 or 8? You know, like 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, a long time. And he, and he was able to, I mean, that doesn't mean he probably wanted it to take that long. But Well, he was it, busy making a very successful Comedy Central show. Right. And he was, yeah. <laughs> exactly. He And he was, he had, a, he had a day job and he had to like, but he was also like wanting to make it good. And, and, you know, I don't know his story specifically, but, you know, Hamilton, you look at Hamilton, you look at the the Book of Mormon, you look at these great works of art that are just blow us away. And we're like, holy crap. And the amount of time invested, it's like, you know, no one goes and says, why did it take you a year to write a song? One song in Hamilton, dude. I don't know. I mean, it's cool, but you took a year on that one song. It's like <laughs> no, it's not good anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like it's not valid or something. And and right. the fact that he had something in him that said, "No way, I'm gonna make. I want to make this good, and I am not. I'm going to deal with the sort of my own pressure of like I, you know, whatever. I need to get going with my career right. or whatever. You well, know? you think about like how many great screenplays Michael Arndt has written, and I've heard that at the minimum it takes him a year to write each screenplay. Because yeah. I guess he was up to write one of the Star Wars movies, and Kathleen Kennedy is like, I would love for you to write one, but I can't wait a year for a draft. Right. Right. But that's and why it, his movies are so good because they take a while to like craft. Yeah. Right. Right. And it's like, that's a little bit of what, why feature filmmaking is like, we're not in a golden age of feature filmmaking, you know, because, because we're turning them out too fast. Yeah. There's a, like the, 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 <laughs> in, the industry is like, I mean, you know, the stories that are sort of living with us a longer are ones that, you know, that I think have more time to develop and, and, you know, it's like, I mean, these two, we have not had a total home run with either of these two Star Wars movies. I mean, Rogue One was was pretty awesome, I thought. But, you know, but, you know, taking time. But you know what? It, it is what it is. will tell, though. It'll, it'll, it all depends yeah. on what sticks around, what, like, stays in the 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 globe. What is it? Like, the um, collective unconscious. It's right. like weird how movies affect culture like that. Right. And you won't know for 10 or 20 years which ones stick around. Right. Yeah. Right. Which ones still matter? Is Get yeah. Out going to be something people even talk about in five years? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, I think Get Out is going to be, because I think he'll probably make something that I think he's going to make a couple other things that are going to be interesting because I thought that was it was so it was such an intelligent original well-crafted story with all this emotional firepower all over the place and just suspense and it was just a really really well done story you know and and, but with its roots in in the genre that it is like heavily you know and like, like playing by those rules while also you know, doing things a little bit differently, exactly. which I think is, is what made it so good because it felt familiar to p- fans of of horror and fans of of those thriller suspense films. Exactly, you know? exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, I have I have two questions. Um, the first one is between I'm looking at your IMDb right now, and I'm just what like what happened between 2005 and 2014? Like you have like a big you know ten year gap there, basically of. Well, it's there's there was a couple of there was a couple of I mean I was writing specs and I was in I was attached to direct a movie um, to be shot in England for and that was like two years of my life about um, really I still love this particular it was something I hadn't written it was a friend of mine and that was two years of my life and then I wrote a spec script that I worked on for about two years that I intend to direct that I love um, that I do not want to mention because it's sort of a high concept thing, oh, but it's, cool. but it's nice. really, 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 uh, yeah, my brother wanted to produce it. So it was just one of those things. It's sort of like, it's like you look at um, Patty Jenkins and like, you look at like the gaps, yeah, the gaps exactly. in her IMDb and it's like, you know what? Sometimes it's like you get, you kind of, things don't get together, you know, and I think that right. I was still growing, you know, as a, you know, whatever, personally, I guess. But, but yeah, you look at those years and it's like, okay, I was chasing that. And then I was chasing that. And it was around two, it was around 2012 
because Code of Snow was still going to festivals until around 2006. And then, mm. so from 2006 to 2012 is really that period where I chased this, um, I chased this film to England and then I came back to LA around t- 2010. And then, um, and then I was like really trying to like crush this spec script that was like this, this, you know, it's basically a Christmas shopping comedy. And, mm. um, and it's really just, like people love it. I mean, I wrote it through exactly what we were talking about through that period where people until the point where everyone was like, Whoa, you know, and then it was around that time where I was like, but I don't want to sell it. I want to direct this. And I was like, I need to make a short. And I was like, I want to make a short about that idea I had about the woman who steals a service dog vest off of a service dog and runs away. And I was like, I had that idea in my head. And that would that turned into dog bowl and like a two year like a two years later or whatever, I was at Sundance and then and then not long after that I was in Annapurna's offices. So That's so wow. so now I have like I wrote this job for this director and then I have another thing that a feature that I want to direct that I'm very close to sort of I'm in that sort of in the hallway place with the script, but I'm hoping maybe I'll be able to start this year but um everything is sort of heading toward another film yeah so i'm just gonna ask a very awkward and uncomfortable question hopefully you don't hate me for it but you're 53 years old right right? there's other listeners out there that are older and they're probably that they want to know like is there a time that you should just give up on your dreams that it's not going to happen like 53 sounds like wow you're there's no way that a career is going to take off now (laughs) yeah no kidding yeah it's absolutely i was like am i the oldest guy in the shorts program at sundance i mean it's like it's like you know i mean that was the thing it's like oh you're okay i've got to make a short that's that it's got to it's got to overcome the shadow of my brother i had that i've got to get past this sort of nepotism oh he's just whatever so i've got to overcome this i've got to (laughs) overcome that perception um and i'm also older and it's like and i also had a break at sundance you know Mm -hmm. a while ago a long time ago and it was sort of like why would they take my short i was like well they have to take my short if i make it so good (laughs) it's like it's like you know so the work will always i mean the work i mean you know what the guy call me by your name is written by a guy i mean obviously he's a very successful producer but but you know it's late in his career and he's adapting a book and it ends up being you know it's ended up being this sensational movie (laughs) that everyone loves and i think he's 80 but i mean (laughs) I, i the work the work will carry the day you know, it's almost I, like what you were saying about how long it takes you. Like, yeah, the no work, if it's good, no one's going to judge you for how old you are or how long it took you. I mean, the thing yeah. is, is that I was edit. You know, I, you know, my editor on Dog Bowl, he, um, you know, he was working with Warren Beatty and and he, you know, he worked with Terrence Malick and and he's, you know, he's t- probably. I mean, I think Brian's like twenty years. Is he 20 years younger than me or like, but when we were sitting next to each other, there was not any like, Hey, you know, this is awkward. It was like, (laughs) it was like, and I mixed the sound at Skywalker with this woman who was even younger, you know, um, than Brian. And, you know, I had no, there was no, when we were sitting next to each other, when you're in the work, Nobody cares yeah. about any of that. No one. I thought I would imagine like, oh, this is awkward. I'm the old guy, or I'm older. Or, this is weird. Or why did it take so long? You get to that place, and nobody. And when I'm in my work, look, there are days I wake up and go, what? How? Ha- you know, can I get ten years back, or can I be? <laughs> can I be? Can I be yeah. like? I should be 37 right now in terms of dog years of where my career is at. But you know what? I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. I wouldn't be able to write. I wouldn't have been able to write. You won't be the person you are. Right. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, 
you know, you might be 32 and going, why isn't anything working out? And it's like, well, you might not have it together yet. And you might have to keep writing. And then when you're 40, something pops or when you're 45. And I've had some, I've had a lovely career. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't want to be anybody else. And and hopefully everybody has the same feelings around their body of work and their career. I don't, I love, love Liza. I love Blue Cat. Blue Cat is a gift to me. And I wouldn't change, I wouldn't go back and be like, well, I would like my brother to be still alive, but you know, obviously, and that I would love to change that. I'd love to be able to yeah. talk to him this morning, but, yeah. but beyond, that. yeah, we all want that, you know, but I mean, that's, but beyond that, you know, it's like, you know, I don't want to be somebody else. And I hope everybody, if you can get connected to that and then just, and then just start writing, you know, if you're working today, you won't, you don't care about what your birthday is because I, I forgot how old I was when I was mixing the sound for dog bowl or when I was, up, yeah, sorry. I, I reminded you. No, well, it, it, no. <laughs> it didn't. It, no, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's like, I, I, I am, I like my vantage point because I do have the wisdom of my life and my experiences in it. And it affects all of my work and it allows me to write work that people are happy with. And I think, you know, that's, I, I don't want to trade that. Like, oh, I, I want to be 36, but I don't want anyone to like, you know, I don't want people to like, I don't want to be accepted a Sunday, you know, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I love your answer to that question because I, I think the perception for a lot of filmmakers is that there's only a certain amount of time that we have to make our first feature or make our first movie or all these things. And I think I totally don't believe that. I think you could be 60 and make your first movie. You could be 70 and make your first yeah. movie. It feels like you, it have just to be, matter, you have to you know? done your most genius work by the time you're 22 or you <laughs> might just give up is the way <laughs> right. that yeah. It's, yeah, it yeah. It just doesn't. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm telling you the same problem. I mean... Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, people wake up with the same things. They're like, what am I going to work on? Can I solve this? What should I do next? You know, it's just, it's just, and there's people go, oh, I wish the grass is greener. And it just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't matter. You know, it's like you, writers take themselves out of the game. I mean, it, it you know, they're the ones that it's not some matrix industry that's like you can't figure out and so you stop everybody stops their own filmmaking everybody stops writing when you know and when somebody says i get i get students all the time that say do you think i should even keep going and i'm like i don't know (laughs) because you you could you could pot you could change you things could happen i've seen work come out that's what i mean it's like when you know I can't judge if somebody should stop. I can't judge who can help you get notes, who's the right person to get notes from. You know, you know where your feedback's going to come from. I can't I can't no one can no one can tell you that. You're the only one that will stop you. You know, yeah. and that oh, it's yeah. just yeah. it's just it, I've seen that over and over and over again. There's no arbiter of like, because I've had students in a quarter, a semester, start off writing some kind of script. And then you go, hey, why don't you like, and you give them some suggestions. Two months later, if you put the scripts side by side, they wouldn't, you would be like, this is the same writer. So I've seen Mm -hmm. that. And I, and that's given me evidence of like, we don't know where we're going. So the only thing you can do is don't stop yourself. (laughs) And just keep writing and keep seeking your truth and keep trying to tell an emotionally engaging original story um, and keep taking feedback from your friends and from your fellow writers and keep working. Just roll your yeah. sleeves up and, 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 you know, and, and that alone will be gratifying and lo and hold, you might surprise yourself, you know? Yeah. Like you only fail when you stop. Yes. You know? Absolutely. So don't just keep on doing and it. And don't have any anybody tell you or make some implication like, you know, like, wow, you're 50. Are you sure you should be making a short? Yeah. That's so embarrassing. Like yeah. you're you're making a short and you're you're embarrassed. That's embarrassing. Yeah. And it's like, you know, nobody. Well, it, it sure didn't turn out like that for me. You know, so right. please, everybody, you know, do not stop yourself, you know, keep working. 
Okay, awesome. uh, I won't stop. <laughs> Don't stop, <laughs> Timothy. Don't stop, man. <laughs> Uh, well, this seems like a perfect place to move into our final five questions. Sure. What do you think, Timothy? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, uh, Gordy, every episode we ask our guests the same five uh, questions at the end, and just to get their short, brief answers to these questions. Okay. Um, so I'm going to shoot with the first one. So, um, number one, David Fincher says you're doing pretty good if you can get 70% of what you want on a film set. Do you agree? If so, what percentage are you getting from your films right now? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a very, uh, very smart Billy Wilder type of answer to that question that Fincher gave, and it, and I think that that's very reasonable. I think that having having some acceptance about things not working out makes for a professional response to filmmaking, and I would hope to at least have seventy percent. I know it's never going to be a hundred. Number two, what's the thing you struggle with the most as a writer director? screenplay competition runner um well those are a bunch of different things i think as a writer i would it's the emotional demands of writing it's when i'm writing something and i have to speak the emotional truth of the moment in the story and it makes me really uncomfortable and it makes me cry and or you know it just makes me conflicted and um i it's difficult for me to put myself in the chair that's probably the most challenging thing for me is like writing is the is the pain of like sort of truthful creation i think and um i think uh i think you know what's the most difficult thing running blue cat i think um having entrance um complain that that we haven't read their scripts because they're unhappy with the notes. I think, uh, I don't think that that, I don't think that, but I don't even think that that's, that's normal. That's like saying, Oh, like change writers or something. I think it's sometimes it's, it's not something that bums me out. I think if anything, I just, I just, you know, I would hope that people would look at screenplay competitions and screenplay teachers and classes and anyone trying to offer services to screen and just, you know, just do do your due diligence, look at everybody, but know that there are good there are good consultants out there, there are good screenwriting classes, there are good uh screenwriting uh screenwriting contests and um as well as good movies out there to see too. So And what's the thing you struggle with the most as a director? The thing I struggle with most as a director is um probably you know, um, I think the thing that I have to focus most on is my reactions to problems. I think that um, because if you have a um, if you have a, a negative reaction to a problem, it affects everybody who's looking at the director. And if you it, you know, so you have to be really, really Jedi about um, dealing with you have to have a lot of grace under fire. And um, and that is that's a skill. Um, and, and, but when you can kind of keep your shit together, uh, <laughs> excuse me, but if you can kind of hang in there, um, everybody will go where you, you can lead your cast and crew anywhere. So that's probably the most work I think is, is, um, is response, my response to crises. <laughs> yeah. And then number three, if you could travel back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? I think it was what we just said. It would be like, do your dream today. You know, don't don't try and come up with like, oh, I'm gonna. I, this is my this is my my plan. Just do do your whatever you want to do with your life. Just do it today. Um, and it will manifest you. That's the shortest, then you're already doing it. You're already a director, you know? So that's what I wish I had not tried to do. Well, if I, let me write a spec that's that one of the major agencies will represent, I'll get a bunch of meetings and then I'll develop relationships and then I'll be able to direct someday. You know, I, I, I would have never pursued that. And other people can do that and have done that and that people advise that all the time. I would have never, I would have avoided that step. <laughs> so number four, do you have a goal as a filmmaker? Um, 
Yeah, I want to, I want, like, it's like what Hitchcock says. It's like, I want a clear horizon. I want to be able to know I have the resources to make the film I want to make. I want to have the time to be able to do it. And, um, and I want, and I want to be able to meet the audience, you know, with the story and make, make, and produce the film. But having that clear horizon, which Hitchcock talks about, where you're like, okay, I'm going to be able to do this. You're, the money is there. I, I have time to write it. Um, the actress is there, you know, that kind of thing. And then the final question, number five, is making movies hard? Absolutely. <laughs> it's so, it's like, oh yeah, it's so, it's so difficult. But every single thing in life that's worth doing, I know this is so cliche, but it's true. It's like, it's like, you know, eating pizza. I mean, it's awesome, uh, but it's easy. As, you know, it's easy. Right. But the thing is, is that, but anything, like if you're going to become a, you're going to become a doctor, or you're going to become a research librarian, a university, you're going to run a rescue shelter for animals. You're going to, you know, become a, um, a fireman in California. I mean, it's difficult. You know, and, and we, yeah. you have to kind of go through the boredom, the despair, everything we were talking about before. But absolutely. I mean, it's like, I don't know. I don't know, I guess. But it's so gratifying um, when I'm in the process and I forget, you know, I forget every I can really forget everything that kind of. And I think that's where we want to be. We want to be involved in labor in our lives that makes us yeah. sort of unaware of the of what year it is and all those things. Yeah. Awesome, man. Um, well, Timothy, do you have any final questions or final things before we wrap this thing up? I mean, there's so many more things that I could ask you, Cordy, but yeah, let's, <laughs> right. let's, let's wrap it up. I feel like this is a good place to end. Well, yeah, yeah thanks so much. I'm happy to come on again anytime. That'd okay, awesome. great. Um, all right, Gordy, well, where can people find you? Obviously a Blue Cat screenplay competition. Um, is there any other places you want people to go check you out? Yeah, I think that that's that's it. Dog Bowl is um, my short. If you want to see if I make any, if my film is good and be like, who is this guy? I, it is available on Amazon Prime now. So you, you can watch it. If you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it for free. It's on Amazon. So you can see my work. You can find Love Liza, I think on Amazon as well. And, um, and, uh, but bluecatscreenplay.com is, is also where you can reach me. And anybody wants to ask me any questions, you know, you can reach me through this site. It doesn't have to be about the screenplay competition. You know, I'd be happy to, you know, answer anybody's questions or whatever. And, um, and uh, yeah, so thanks so much for having me on, though. Yeah, you're welcome. When's the deadline for your short film festival? Well, everybody, for the, for the short films and the screenplays and the pilots and short screenplays, it's February 1st is our regular deadline in February, yeah. February 20th is when, when February 20th is the final deadline. So, okay. I might submit my short film, the rage that still hasn't been released yet. Okay. Um, yeah. It's a little bit crazy and weird. Um, but, uh, <laughs> that's to yeah, say the least. We'll see. <laughs> I'm looking forward to looking at it. Nice. All right. Well, thanks again to Gordy for being on the show and thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, if you like the show, you can tell your friends about it or leave a rating uh, for the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. Um, it doesn't have to be a full review. It can just be like a little star rating, whatever that's useful too. Um, and if you want, you can get in contact with us. You can send an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at MMIH Podcast. Or you can also visit our website at makingmoviesishard.com where you can find links to the things we talked about on this episode, including Gordy's film and Blue Cat and all the other good stuff that we talked about. And yeah, um, don't forget if you're on Facebook, you should join our Facebook, uh, film community page that we just started, um, about a month ago, which I think is generating awesome conversations every day. Oh uh, yeah. So, it's like our dream come true. What is it called exactly? Indie, Indie film filmmakers Com community. Okay. And now there's a button on the, the making movies is hard Facebook page where if you just click on it, it'll take you right to the oh. community page. 
Great. Yeah. So, you know, please join. It's not for spammers. So if you're just looking for a place to spam your whatever, your short film, your Kickstarter or whatever, you know, that's not the place for it. It's just about conversations and discussions. So if you're new to filmmaking and you want to talk about uh, writing or directing or what do I do when I have my first movie done, uh, that's a great place to get tons of answers from, you know, hundreds of uh, filmmakers around the, the world. So yeah, urge everyone to check that out. Um, and yeah, thanks again for the great conversation. Um, thanks, Alric. Yeah, thanks, Gordy. Thanks, guys. All right. Until next week. <laughs> thanks, Timothy. <laughs> You're waiting for me to say something. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to have the perfect ending uh, like you always do. Bye bye. <laughs>